0: Have always tried to make things work for us and a ladder is one of those things that is such a crucial tool and we don't I mean do you guys have ladders in your houses uh yes I have not at the moment not at the moment <laughs> you see I'm, I'm hoping that uh there are I mean I, okay here here, here it comes how can you how much more can you innovate the ladder that's something so basic and if we're talking about when you're scaling engineering and you're having people step up on these different quote-unquote ladders um you know do you default back to that basic rung uh or are you able to actually engineer something new i think what's fascinating is the whole new fad with the no-collar workforce right you have blue collar and then you have white collar and we're getting into no-collar so a no-collar workforce how do they deal with an actual ladder right (laughs) because they're just at home all they have to do is uh you know essentially jump onto line, and they're on their own online ladder. So I think that we are now live, so I can actually disclose this. Yes, yes, the the question of the the day. The
1: first record of a ladder has more than 10,000 years old.
0: There you go. Wow. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to talk about something today that is 10,000 years old, and we're going to talk about how (laughs) it applies to scaling engineering uh, in, in today's world and you are listening to the scale of heroes and there's nothing more scale up than an actual ladder. <laughs> and so before the show, we talked about how this technology has been around so long, but we are referring to it today in our conversation about how do you build the appropriate ladders for engineers to move up the ranks, to, to find leaders within your organization, to support leaders from the ground up and to, and to get everybody on the same ladder without the whole thing crumbling down. Now, we have these high-level uh, conversations with experts who we call heroes in the startup world, but more particularly the scale-up world. So you can find all of these on scaleupacademy.io, and we are geared for a fun conversation today about ladders and life when it has to do with engineers and engineering and your company to help them scale to the next level. So if you have a horizontal organization, get ready because we're going to build upward and onward. And we're going to guide it through today with two people who are living, the living legends of building ladders when it comes to engineering. And so they're going to help us understand how to build the best ladder and help their employees climb it so that nobody falls. Uh, Pedro, I will let you take it away, buddy. And I'm sure going to chirp in with a few questions, but I'm looking forward to some ladderness.
1: Absolutely. Um, So cool. So hi, everyone. Welcome to to today's show. So the topic here, as you already understood, I'm pretty sure of that, is career letters. Okay. So definitely something very important to any, any startup or scale up is in that moment where, you know, the company is created, you start hiring some people, you got to, You start to get some sort of maturity, and all of the sudden people start to get the need for a career ladder for some sense of progression. <clears throat> so t- today with us, we have Paulo André, so a Portuguese uh, guy that lives in Austria, Vienna, and he's currently the VP of Engineering at Tour Radar. Uh, so I need to do this because I promised myself that I was going to do this, so... <laughs> goodbye <laughs> Cool. Now that I've spoken in Portuguese for the first time in this show, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, cool. So, Paulo, can you, would you like to present yourself to, to everyone that's listening to us right now?
2: Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me uh, both and, and scaleup Academy. Um, I think you guys are on a great mission and I'm very happy that I can contribute uh, because obviously, you know. I've been getting some mentoring and all this kind of support from different people uh, along my career. So it's good to to have a little bit of uh, paying back uh, or paying it forward, if you will, um, to the community. So thanks for that opportunity and and to talk to you guys uh, today. So in terms of introducing me, um, as you said, I'm currently the VP of engineering at 2 Um, basically what that means and my responsibility here, uh, I could say in, I guess, many things uh, because we're a fast growing startup, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, leading and growing the engineering organization at, to radar. Um, this means uh, software engineers, QA engineers and data engineers as well. So really everything that is about engineering. Um, I guess what I wake up in the morning to, to really do my best at is creating an environment that brings the best out of people. Um, where excellent execution can take place. Because at the end of the day, um, I'm not really doing a lot of hands-on stuff, certainly not in the code anymore. Sometimes I, I do miss it, uh, but then I move on. And I have a whole set of challenges that uh, really motivate me. Wow. And so ultimately, I like, to, I like to, to say that I'm responsible for the trains to run on time. Um, I usually say that engineering is kind of like in tech companies where the, the rubber meets the road. Um, so if we're not doing our part of the deal and if we're not delivering on time and in full, um, then we're not really you know, serving our customers. And it's also about building or buying the right technology and, and empowering the team and supporting the team in making the right choices.
1: Great, absolutely. I couldn't relate more to what you said. Uh, so great presentation. I think that a lot of people can relate to that because that's, it was like spot on. <clears throat> so you already mentioned your role in the company. Um, so tell me, tell, so for everyone to understand and to kind of to relate a little bit more with two radar, So how big is your engineering team?
2: So the engineering team is currently a little over 30 people mm-hmm. and growing. Yeah.
1: Okay. Cool. Nice.
2: Very well. And so, what makes Two Radar unique? So, what's what's Two
1: Radar? What's what's different? Uh, uh, what's the difference between Two Radar and the, uh, any other company out there?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think in general, it's a, it's a combination of team, culture, and product that I mm-hmm. believe we we have a very strong proposition in all of those, um, because taking into account that we're literally sending people around the world in, you know, quoting from our, our vision, life enriching experiences. This is something that everyone can, can really relate to, you know, Um, and that we can be really passionate about. And so in that sense, um, we are building something that has never really been done in these terms, which is this online marketplace for multi-day tours. Um, And, you know, in the process of doing this, I believe we're sharing, shattering a bunch of myths Um, about touring, that it's boring, that it's for old people, and it's like these these old buses and like all of these things, when in fact, you know, a lot of our customers are even like, you know, solo independent female travelers, for example, um, and having great experiences. And and so at the end of the day, what we do is really bring travelers and uh, tour operators together on the multi-day tour space. Um, And I would also say that maybe in terms of what makes us unique, I mean, yeah, unique. It's it's a big word, obviously, but in terms of engineering, I would be surprised if I found or I came across an engineering team that is significantly more driven and more motivated than ours. Um, I think a lot of this stems from going back to the culture. You know, we're very transparent internally and very data driven. So that means that um, you know all the revenue numbers, you know, all of those kinds of things. It's very open internally. Um, okay. We talk about it. We we push, and and that kind of helps everyone understand the. E- impact that their day-to-day work is really having uh, in the company. And I guess, lastly, I would, I would make the remark that probably, and it, this makes us pretty unique, um, we're probably the only Austrian startup that actually has Silicon Valley investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this affords us some really interesting opportunities. It's not just about you know, the, the investment itself in, in sure. terms of cash, but a lot of opportunities um, for, for our people, for example. You know, um, right after I joined, I traveled to San Francisco to attend one CTO summit of uh, one of our bad investors, so TCV in this case. And it was really, really great to, you know, just network and, and listen to and attend, um, you know, um, yeah. panels and really interesting conversations with these people. So it's also a good side effect of, of having that kind of investors on board. Absolutely. I can imagine. <clears throat> great, great,
1: great to know. <clears throat> so, um uh, going now back to the to our subject, to, to our topic, the, the career ladder thing. So, for instance, from my experience when I joined TalkDesk uh, and our engineering team was around 60 or 70, so it was pretty much like twice as big as S2 as Radar, uh, we already had a, a first version of a career ladder implemented. And it was something that was kind of implemented like briefly recently before I joined. Um, so I would probably imagine that the career ladder appear between the 50 and the 60. Um, so Paul, in your opinion, when do you believe that the startup should actually be concerned about about creating or having a, a career ladder? So do you guys have a career ladder to Radar?
2: So the answer, the direct answer is that we're building one. Um, And I guess this plays right into your question, when is the right time? I think there's no straightforward answer to that. Uh, It's not like a magic number. When you get to that number of people, you kind of like go and have to do it, you know, or everything just comes crumbling down. Um, As with everything else, I think a career ladder, if we take a step back, you know, for me, it's really about part of your culture. Um, because when we think about it, what, what the career ladder actually is, is, you know, setting certain expectations about what we want, um, you know, our people to embody or to display or to have in them, right? So yeah. same for values and same for mission, I would argue that codifying your career ladder should come as early as possible, but not earlier. So yeah. I guess from a business perspective, you know, um, of course, the concept of product market fit is quite elusive. But I would say that from from that perspective, once until you achieve some form of product market fit, it's probably not something you should be worried about. So I guess every all ounce of energy needs to go really into actually building a product and delivering sort of an MVP to make sure that you actually have a business to to begin with, right? So yeah. Otherwise, what are you building? Um, it, so once you get past that point, and I guess this then kind of like gets correlated with the size of the team, usually when company, that's certainly what happened with Two Raider when we got like a significant investment round on board, um, then of course the team, we had the cash to, to, to grow and to scale the company. And so in that sense, once you start getting to a point where not everyone is sitting in the same room, for example, you need to start thinking about making a lot of things that were previously implicit and that was okay. Yeah. Now you need to think about very proactively, hopefully, how to make it explicit. So again, from a team perspective, once you're not all in the same room, it starts to make sense to think about these things. For us, it's now around the, the 30 uh, people mark and going beyond that, that we really feel like people are clamoring, so, so to speak, for, for this kind of thing. And also to attract the talent that is looking for for this kind of growth framework
1: no absolutely absolutely i think you mentioned a, a brilliant <clears throat> yardstick if you don't if not everyone uh, fits on the same room definitely you need to have those stuff in place uh, <clears throat> so you just mentioned that you're creating one um so I'm, I'm i'm curious because for instance from my experience or at least when we created one um the way that we decided to create was. We we searched a lot online. So for other examples, you know, because a couple of pretty cool companies actually kind of open source their career ladders, and it yeah. is actually a very good starting point, or at least a source of inspiration. And that was pretty much what we did. So we kind of took took a, a, a closer look or a serious look to a lot of companies, trying to understand a little bit a little bit to which sort of type of career ladder we kind of, you know, related more with. Uh, and we just grab one and we tailor to, to, our, to our reality. And obviously from there, we just kind of continuously improve it, you know, because it's pretty much like a living document, at least here at TalkDesk. Um, so into right there, what, what are the steps that you are already taking in order to, to create the, the career ladder?
2: Yeah, I think you, you have a great point there, and to, to be very honest, that's definitely part of the approach that we have taken here. I, I did spend a lot of time, um, I had some experience from the past where I worked before, but now here at Two Raider, um, I also spend a lot of time researching about the companies, you know, like Kickstarter comes to mind, they have a very open, yeah. and Rent the Runway, and, and um, yeah. I believe also Meetup, and so on, so these companies, it's very good that they're transparent about these things, and I don't think they're giving anything away, to be honest, because... Because at the end of the day you know a career ladder that makes sense for your company is not necessarily the one that's going to make sense for another company you're not giving away any secret sauce so I think there's there's a a factor of inspiration that that you can get you know if you're doing it for the first time what does a career ladder actually look like you know in terms of structure what are we talking about here right and so in that sense it's good to have that inspiration But I think um, it's also important to take a step back and look at the career ladder as something that literally describes what are the set of traits that make people successful in your company. Um, That's gonna be different from other companies, right? So, ladders defined to to a certain degree or to, to, to a high degree, what are the expectations that we have on our people? And, and then an interesting property or a side effect is that they also become a framework for growth because you're gonna have these different levels. But uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that I think the first, first and foremost, the importance of a career ladder is making it explicitly what is valued to what degree at your company. And that's gonna be different, you know, and, and this can be things across obviously technical skill when we talk about engineering teams, but it can also be, a, how do you communicate? How do you collaborate? Absolutely. What like are, the impact what, that you can do. Exactly. Like what are the leadership skills that we prize and that we value? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is, what is, for example, the scope that you or the impact that you're expected um, to have in, in each of the levels and so on, right? So yep. I, I would say to create one, going back to the original question, to build one. Um, I would start looking into what are these areas that make sense. Don't don't go overboard. Like uh, I would say, like four or five, six uh, in that area would be a good number of ki- kind of like key areas um, that that we're gonna then define. Um, what are the behaviors that we want to encourage across each of those areas, right? And then sort Absolutely. of make it incremental across seniority. To, just to give you an example, I would expect a more entry level engineer to seek mentorship, but I would expect a senior engineer to give mentorship and to be open to give this mentorship. you know uh, I would expect an entry level engineer um, to be able to do like mid sized or small technical implementations with some guidance. that's certainly not what I expect from a senior engineer. I expect them to be able to you know work across different areas and across uh, different projects and, and also see how it all comes together. You know, have like the bigger picture kind of view. So it can be, it can be complex uh, to actually do it, but I think going back to what matters to your company and what you want to value more is, is super important. And maybe a last point that I would make in that is that um, dual ladders, I think it's something that is a lot talked about, uh, meaning like a technical track and a management. Oh,
0: sure.
2: track. sure. Those are a must-haves. Exactly. I think that's something that is very, very common in in the U.S. and especially in, in San Francisco and California and Silicon Valley uh-huh. um, companies. But it's also, I think, catching on a lot in more in European companies. And I think it, it does make sense because one thing that I've seen startups do a lot is that there's this tendency to promote the best technical, from a technical perspective, the best engineer into being the yep. lead engineer and that means managing people and yep. that usually doesn't go so well because it doesn't uh-huh. correlate too, too well with people's skills. Indeed, you usually tend to lose a great technician or a great
1: engineer and, exactly. and get and get a crappy or not so brilliant manager, so that yeah. actually is something that one thing definitely doesn't correlate with the other. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh,
0: Ryan, do you want to jump in? and? Uh... Yeah, I have, I have a quick question. I love the fact sure. that we're, we're being cognizant that we don't have a ladder until we need a ladder. But I want to be cognizant of the fact that when you don't have a ladder, there are people who are trying to build their own ladders. And so one thing I haven't heard about is um, how the employees can help influence what the ladder is, or some of them might already be building ladder. Some of them might come with a ladder already because they have a stronger, say, personal brand. They're, they're recognized as an expert. Mm-hmm. So in this building process, when you're, you're about to fill the room to where you're starting to consider this, are you actually looking to see what um, what are these values and ethics and cultural elements are already present within these employees and say, hey, can we borrow two of your ladder rungs um, or can you put that as a buttress onto our ladders? I'm just curious. It really taps into the personal branding because yeah. I feel like more and more people want to have autonomy about what type of ladder they want to build. They all, granted, want to go up, right? But some yep. of them want to go up in slightly different directions, and they're engineers, so they're creative. So my my question is, how much are you involving the the employees in the decision-making to sort of, as part of influence? Even though you know you know where one, you want it to go, are you helping them to build the, are, are they allowed to help build the ladder and choose some of the rungs and some of the material and some of the structural organizing?
2: Yeah. yeah. that's, that's a, go, go ahead, Paul. You, you go first. You know, I think that's a that's a fantastic question, and I think it's yeah. even broader than just defining career ladders. You know, any kind of process or structure or whatever you put put in place in your organization that is going to be across all teams. How do you get buy into that? I think that's that's absolutely going for right. Yep. And so, in that sense, I would say two things. One is kind of like a, a a mutual. So, for example, when I joined to Radar, I spent a lot of time having one on ones with everybody. So I really spent a lot of time um, trying to understand what was the status quo at the time, sort of where we need to go and how do we get there. Um, And then in those conversations and really ongoing one-on-ones from that point on, uh, try to tap into what was most valued around here, you know, so that it could help inform then those categories that I was talking about. But you're absolutely right, Ryan. Um, the the idea here is that once you have, let's say, a version one or a draft version of what the latter looks like, it's super important to actually put it out there and say, hey, guys, what do you, what do you think about it? You know, sure. does it make sense or not? Um, you should not fall, I think, into the trap of, you know, changing your career ladder definition every couple of weeks. Um, oh, should, no, no. You know, it should be stable for like six months, but I would definitely, when you roll it out the first time, allow at least like two weeks or one month of ongoing feedback, super transparent so that everybody can speak their mind. You're going to end up certainly with a better ladder. And yep. by the way, I think I've seen in the past that this can be a little tricky for some, for some engineering leaders because having this kind of like, hey, tell me team, what do you think about this? Sometimes is kind of equated with weakness or we don't know what to do, so we're kind of lost. And I think that it's, it's far from that. So it's really about tapping into the team, understanding because the team will tell you um, one way or another uh, what they need and what they value more. And then you can actually put it out there and you get instant buy-in if you do that successfully. Mm-hmm. No,
1: absolutely, you know, because this is pretty much like having a career ladder being adapted to your people instead of actually having your people adapted to a career yeah, ladder, you know. Uh, and another point that you that you touched that means crystal clear is, well, you make a decision, hopefully with your team, making sure that the career ladder is something that everyone sees themselves in it, uh, and then just kind of stick to it. Because just like you said, if you have then one guy that is complaining, say, hey, I don't agree with this because, you know, in this way, I'm not senior and I'm a senior guy. And if you're just kind of changing and making exceptions, then you're pretty much killing the whole concept. uh, And that will make you put you in a, a very fragile position. So absolutely. So now that we are talking about this and kind of it sounds like a perfect segue for my next question, you know, because all of this, you know, how the career ladder looks like, how do you create it? Do you involve the people or not? So, one thing that I actually missed when when I joined TalkTest, because just like I said, when I arrived, the first career ladder was already created. Um, I understood that the first time that you have the career ladder in place, to put the people on those steps, let's call it that way, or on those levels, it's something that is not that peaceful at all, right? So, what is the criteria? Okay, so let's say you have now 30 engineers. So, let's say that for some reason you have software engineer level one, two, and three. Or you have entry, mid, senior. So, what a senior engineer looks like? So, why is, I don't know, Andrew a senior and Toby is not, for instance? Okay, so what does a senior look like? Uh, and how can you make it feel not feel? How can you make the process as transparent as possible that actually everybody understands why, for instance, I'm a level two and Ryan is a level three? So, do, do you guys have already any ideas on that?
2: Well, I think it comes back to how good of a job you actually managed to do sort of out of the bat in terms of defining your levels. If you, if you are too ambiguous, then you're gonna set yourself up to have a really hard time in putting people there because everything's kind of open and you can always argue one way or another that you're in a level A or B or whatever, right? Um, however, if you also make things um, too restrictive, and then that also doesn't work because uh, everything is like super boxed in and it's not flexible enough. So finding that happy medium is tough. And once again, going back to Ryan's question, involving the team and getting that feedback is super important because I think it gets you a lot closer um, to that. Um, I lean towards being a little bit more specific, to be honest, because I think if you leave it too ambiguous, it's really, really hard um, to get to a point where uh, we can agree on. i would say that uh, maybe an interesting tactic it may not work for everyone again it depends on the culture um i've seen teams that uh, you know are very accepting of these things and other teams that are a bit more um you know uh, it's not I appreciate people obviously questioning things like, don't get me wrong, that's extremely important. If you don't have that, something is definitely wrong, but where it's just more difficult to, to get these things rolled out. But maybe a, a good tactical um, option here is on a one-on-one basis, once the career ladder is rolled out, ask everyone to, you know, go through it, spend some time and try to put themselves into the career ladder. You know, if it's clear enough, this should not be a difficult exercise, and then bring it together in a one on one. And if you have alignment, then bingo, that's great. You just have to, you know, start having the conversations about how do you go up. But if you don't have that alignment, that's kind of the spark for a conversation that you need to have. Um, And it's also a coaching opportunity um, where you need to help people understand that they need to provide um, good examples of why they believe they are in a certain, hey, here's a situation where I displayed this trait or that trait, or I helped someone or whatever the case may be, right? Um, But I think, yeah... Getting people to self-assess and put themselves in a in a in a one of the steps of your ladder, it's a great thing because I think most of the time there will not be a misalignment. And when there is, we can work through it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Very well said. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and tell me one thing. So Talking about, about letters and how restrictive or how kind of look uh, box like the they, they might be, uh, one thing that that I've I've sometimes observed in, in in throughout my career is that as soon as you have like a career letter very explicit people tend to look to the, the traits that you have specified on each on each level, almost like a, a couple of checkboxes. So usually people tend to think like, okay, cool. So I let's say I'm mid, I want to be senior. So let me take a look to the, the career ladder on the senior level. Okay. So you need to do this, 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 and that. And sometimes folks just try to kind of tick the box, you know, say, Hey, I've just done that. And sometimes actually it's not, the thing that is expected out of him or is not what the actually the company needs. But it seems that sometimes people are just kind of driven by checks on checkbox. Um, uh, and this usually tends to, to be the harder conversation about, you know, why am I not promoted? I checked all, all, the, all the boxes. Um, and obviously sometimes people forget that it's not about just checking but also about the consistency and the continuity of that sort of behavior. How, how do you see that, uh, that thing working out for, for your new career ladder?
2: Yeah, I think the career ladder itself, just by itself, is kind of useless, to be honest, because it's really the conversations around it and and the continuous uh, discussion uh, about where you are and where you want to be and the steps to get there, that's what is really going to make the difference, right? And, and this is one, this is exactly one challenge of startups that are scaling up fast, especially more towards the beginning, where you don't really have engineering managers, you, you have a bunch of, you know, great developers, that are building stuff and putting it out there. And so you don't have from the people side that capability of actually using a career ladder effectively so I would say that it needs to go hand in hand. And certainly what we're doing here at 2 Radar, we're not only developing engineering managers in-house, but we're also uh, at trying to attract the best talent when it comes to engineering, manager, in engineering management. And it's very helpful when people actually have done this and worked with career ladders a couple of times before, because they already have gone through the pain of putting something like this in place and working through it. Right. Yes, um, absolutely. It really comes back, uh,
0: comes back to the people there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Real, okay. real quick. I, I heard you say pain, but I didn't just hear you. I saw you say pain. So I just <laughs> want to know, like, <laughs> I don't know if we open up a whole Pandora's box here, but when you refer to that pain, like what is the single biggest, or maybe the top painful part of that? Because is it, the implementation, because I felt that word was very wow. strong. There, there's something in there. You From mean that the,
2: the, the pain was the the strong word? Or anything? yeah, no, you, you, it okay, just came pain. out.
0: You you know you can't hide stuff. You're like, oh yeah, and it yeah. was really painful. Yeah. Uh, and then, anyways.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you know, um, one thing that I, I I feel can be painful, and and by the way, every time we're talking about you know people and we're talking about we're all humans and we all have our quirks and our our nuances and sometimes we have a bad day and whatever else Um, but the reality is that when there's a mismatch of expectations um, this can lead to those painful uh, conversations just so to give you an example that is not very concrete but still an example is that when people tell you hey but i pushed for this but i pushed for that therefore i'm a senior But the reality is that I read this somewhere and it really resonated with me. You judge, you know, more junior people on effort, but you judge more senior people on outcomes. So just pushing for it and having great intentions and pushing and pushing and pushing, if you're not actually getting something to change, maybe you still have some way to go on your ability to influence things and to actually provoke that change. So you know, usually people that are clearly have, that clearly still have some way to go to be truly considered, you know, more experienced senior engineers um, have by definition um, a little bit less self-awareness, I would say. And by the way, this is absolutely fine. You know, people can get better. This is all about the growth mindset that we're constantly sporting around here and championing around here. So it's not like, oh my God, you're not a senior now, your life is over, your career is over. What are you gonna do now? But people take this hard and that's why this sometimes it's painful because you really, you cannot just lower the bar, you're doing a disservice to your team and to your company. So that's, that's the pain because it's about people and it's about disappointment, at okay. least temporary. People falling off the ladder
0: temporarily. Or uh, getting caught
1: up. No,
2: unfortunately, sometimes it's actually permanent. Permanently,
1: you know, Ryan. Because, for instance, when I, when you're asking about this this sort of pain, it's I think that Paulo was saying everything correctly. It's like it's all about managing expectations and dealing with people getting disappointed. You know, because for instance, if someone is clearly not a a a senior, but on his mind he. You know, and that actually is a a very interesting effect that it's already studied a couple of, of years ago. Um, I actually I can search for for the exact effect that is. You know, uh, the image is quite quite clear. You know, it's a cat looking into the mirror and seeing a lion on the other side. So usually that's something that happens quite often. You know, like I I think that I'm much better than I actually am. Mm-hmm. uh the thing is that sometimes people get so disappointed with that and it's so hard to manage their expectations That actually people decide to leave and that at least to me it's like the biggest pain that i can feel on my job because every time i lose someone to me is pretty much like a personal defeat uh so yes definitely this is something very
2: very tricky to to deal with um yeah pedro just to uh, co- add sure. one thing quickly to that i think going back to your point of you know, running the risk of people just using it as like checkbox, checkboxes and just go to go up as fast as possible. Again, goes back to the way you communicate why a career ladder is important and why are we putting it in place, you know, in the first, in the first place. So um, it's really about understanding that this is about improving ourselves. It's the same thing, for example, of performance management and compensation management. Usually these are very tied together when the reality is, You want your people and they should want that to to evolve, to become better, to become the best version of themselves. That's going to be good for them. That's going to be good for the company. And then being compensated, you know, fairly in accordance to what you actually are impacting the company should be something that in obviously a a good company, good culture, should be something that comes naturally. Um, But they should be kind of dissociated. And I feel the same way about career ladders. This is not just something to get to the top as fast as possible. This is something that is there to support you in becoming better. Absolutely, because it's, it, this is not about a race. It's about uh, personal development
1: or professional development, whatever you want to call it. So we really can't can't uh, lose focus. That the career ladder is just one more tool for the, for the person to develop it itself, even better, even further. It's not about the competition of who gets to the top faster. Um, yeah. I totally agree. So, by the way, so the effect that I was mentioning is called Dunning Kruger effect. Yes. Okay. So it's a cognitive bias. Um, exactly. So, so one last question before we we go to the to the closing one, and this is actually something that I've experienced both versions, and to me is definitely not that clear the one that I prefer, although I'll probably will prefer the letter that I'm going to mention right now. So, Paulo, taking consideration or even creating one, so it's the question gets even more interesting. So, do you favor taller letters, so with tons of levels? Let's say, okay, so the engineering career has like 11 levels, or do you prefer a shorter one? Um, uh, I, I can build on that, too, because I have a very strong opinions on that, but... Please, please share your opinion.
2: Um, Look, I'm personally, I'm, when it comes to, I think, engineering teams and, you know, startups and fast-growing companies, they're, at the end of the day, complex adaptive systems. And so the complexity is there by design. I think it's our job to try and Not only manage but certainly try to reduce complexity wherever possible so if it's if it's in our power and we're just adding you know feeding more complexity to the system maybe we're not helping ourselves by doing that so in general, I'm a, I am a fan of simplicity, first and foremost. Um, when it comes to this, um, you know, it's not just saying that, yeah, it should just have two levels. It's simpler, obviously not. But then again, if you have the 11 levels or, you know, something of, of that kind, as you mentioned, that's certainly bound to get, to get really complex. So how do you actually find all of those nuances so that you have 11 more or less clearly defined uh, career yeah. levels, right? So it's pretty yeah. tricky. On the other hand, if you only have two or three, maybe it's just so broad that the personal um, development and, and kind of going up the ranks in the company becomes compromised because to get to the next level, maybe it's like a five or six years uh, yeah. jaunt, you know? And at the end of the day, I think if we look at statistics uh, for these kinds of things, I think it's around like two years that people on average stay at startups um, and scale ups and, and whatever else. So that would not work uh, either. So it should not become a title game um, for no benefit. I think you need to find a happy medium, again, that makes sense for your company, get feedback from your people, see what kind of makes sense and and go for that and, and try to refine it, you know, again, like every six months or so. Um, maybe add a level, maybe remove a level. Who knows? But be very careful with the initial choices because those kinds of fundamental changes down the line, you're gonna have a lot of readjustment to do yeah. and a lot of going back to to square zero on a on a on a few things. So
1: no, absolutely, I love fewer uh, fewer levels. Uh, for instance, I've worked in the past uh, with just six, and it, to me, it was like almost like a sweet spot. You know, being six yeah. like the you know the junior trainee level and one let's say a principal figure or something similar to that, okay, so someone with a very interesting kung fu, um, I think that that tends to be less attractive than someone that has like 20 levels to go through, uh, and then it's all, and then it, I think it actually favors the race that we that we've spoke about uh, early. that definitely we should avoid. Um, so, cool, we are pretty much uh, running out of time, uh, and at least in my humble opinion, I think this this session has been amazing um so we really like to to so before passing the word to ryan uh we Mm -hmm. usually love to ask one question that is pretty pretty much agnostic from the topic of today's topic there is one engineering advice that you paulo would give to any startup that is listening to us and has the ambition to scale uh so if we could only ask you for one one engineering advice which advice would be would that be
2: Ah, that's a a big one. Um, I I think in general, you know, really focus on your people and listen to them. I know it's cliche at this point, but the reality is that in the past, I've seen examples where it's just, you know, something, some core value on the wall that that really does not uh, translate into meaningful action. So really focus on your people, listen to them, because one way or another, they will always tell you what they need and what's getting in their way um, and exactly what needs to change uh, so things become better, teams become more productive, become more effective. And so I guess uh, I can cheat a little bit on your question and give like a sub thing within that. Absolutely. And I would say that, you know, when we look at underperformance, be it team level or individual level, um, usually I would say 90% of the cases. Um, Certainly, in my experience, come down to lack of clear expectations. So your question is the ambition to scale. Um, When companies want to really scale, again, like I said in the beginning, be mindful of making the implicit explicit. And and that comes with a lot of empathy uh, for other people. What you know is true and is very important information, Um, you cannot just assume that somebody else knows that that is the case. Um, And so making things explicit and setting clear expectations about everything continually, I think it's the big, big difference um, and really helps um, companies and individuals and teams be as self-aware as possible so that they can really go for it and really understand what needs to change. And scale-ups are constantly changing. So you need to constantly adapt.
0: I agree. Totally. Brilliant. Uh, Ryan, back to you. All right, so as you can see, I've been taking notes and I've been drawing. <laughs> so o- over here, just so you understand, these are, these are the different um, sort of talking points. And then I started to write down in the middle what could actually be the rungs. And then, you know, as you're talking, I'm also sort of building the visual there. And then- uh, That's awesome. The we're, we're, we're hacking away on it. So nice. I've been trying to think, how can this podcast be an actual blueprint to build a career ladder that will work for your own individual company? And in no particular, actually in a very particular order, in order to build this thing, you first have to understand whether or not you need a ladder. And I think that's important because if you have enough people to fit them all in a room, well, you don't need a ladder because everybody's standing on the table and then helping each other out. And it's like cheerleading squad and you can get people up to the top. You don't need that. But once you reach the point where you need some sort of a ladder, you first have to figure out the material. And in my mind, the material is what I heard over and over the expectations, the values and the ethics. So, are you more of a mahogany? Are you more of a redwood? Like, w- what kind of density and strength? Maybe it's recycled because you guys are eco-friendly or whatnot. But actually, thinking through the material as the the actual building blocks and the strength that you need. Maybe it's a balsa wood, right? You guys are light and nimble, and you're on your toes. Then it's about um, creating the structure. And as you see here, there's more than one way to build a ladder, right? You've got up, you've got down. There's all kinds. Of, we're talking about engineers here, so. You've got to engineer something that works, but you can't forget to inspect it. And so an actual, like you would have a building inspector come in, you have to have somebody identified to come check the rattles, see if it's working, whether it's every 12 months or six months, but not too much. Um, Then it's about alignment. You can still have a structure that is structurally uh, intact, but it's, it's off kilter or it's going in the wrong direction. And so it's not always a rebuild. It's maybe just a reposition. And then understanding that it's adaptive. So making sure to put joints and making sure to build in the ability for adaptability specifically to get feedback and buy-in from the people who you're building ladder for, because if, I, uh, I have a history of putting up Christmas lights. That was my first entrepreneurial venture. And I've spent some good times on ladders and some ladders I look at, I'm like, there's no way I'm stepping foot on that ladder. But if you actually get me involved in the process of building it and I have, you have my opinion, then I'm sort of tied into it. And the last thing is to keep building. And I think that if you are not thinking of uh, the ability to adapt and adjust with the ladder or build a new one, you're, you're definitely not in the position to scale because uh, things change, businesses change, technology changes, politics change. And so if you look at this as a static ladder, it's no good. You need one of those infomercial ones that turns from a ladder into a bench and then also can carry pots and plants and everything like that. So I think it's, it's really been fun to think about this 10,000 year old legacy to try to help people literally get up and to literally scale. And it's fun to have a, an intense breakdown on it. And my favorite part of the discussion is how you are really supporting the employees as part of the process. It's not a top down, we're up here, uh, we're going to build a ladder so you can come up here. It's about helping people self-evaluate. And at the end of the day, I, I really agree that managing expectations is going to be the one thing that brings the ladder down. Because if you think it's going to hold more or you just expect and you don't really build it properly, then all of your growth can come tumbling down uh, in a series of cartoon, Acme, um, Roadrunner, and wily Coyote style, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so here's another great example of just fun conversation about topics that can be very dull, like building a corporate ladder. Um, but this has been great insight. So thank you guys both. And if anybody out there enjoys this type of, I guess conversation that's real conversation. Uh, You can check out these podcasts at scaleupacademy.io. Find us online, follow the people that are involved, reach out to them. Uh, Don't think that just right now is the only time to connect. I'm sure these guys are both willing to connect with you on LinkedIn or wherever it may be, uh, because you might have more questions, but those questions could also spark new shows. So keep in touch with us. We're excited for um, really what we're trying to do is help you build a better mousetrap. And if you know the game MouseTrap, there is definitely a ladder um, that goes on within that. <laughs> so, uh, on behalf of myself and the entire crew here at the Scale Up Academy, I'd like to say goodbye and thank you. Uh, and definitely, when I go touring, I'm going to hit up the tour radar because I want to multi. I, I I want I want you to solve my problem. <laughs> Absolutely, we're here for that. That's our mission. Excellent. All right, and maybe if I'm speaking out that way, I'll come and rally up your troops. Who knows? <laughs> all right everybody well this has been fun um build ladders but don't just build them for the sake of building them remember they're made out of your expectations and so get that right and you will continue to scale all right guys we will see you
1: thank you all bye